John Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, Million Dollar Agent. How are you guys? We're back in the round room Very here good. at News Limited. I love coming here. Um, it's a great... I, I've got to say, John, that um, if I've been away for a week and I come back here, you feel like there's energy in this place. I don't know whether it's the monitors, the fact that you've got thousands of people that are just writing things that are going around the world and it's all coming out through here and a lot of people will turn around and say in 2017 everyone thinks that they're a journalist don't they in 2017 you can pretty much you know everyone's got their own tv channel on facebook nowadays so they can pump out whatever content they like as as uh terrifyingly we've seen some people do (laughs) I, i mean so, so let's let's because if you actually think about it, what real estate agents pretty much do is that they they get a um, a tribe that have their vibe of people in a in a database, um, um, and they build a community of people. Um, John, you've always been someone that you've selectively read media, but haven't you? You've never been one that um, falls for front page stories. Well, I always take the view, Tom, that. One of the most important things we have as a business leader or a sales manager or salesperson is to feel good and be positive, authentically. And unfortunately, no, this is no uh, critique of media organisations like news or any others, but unfortunately a lot of the news that is reported, in fact the vast majority, is negative mm. and is sometimes terrifying. So the question is, do you want to fill your mind every day with those stories or do you want to selectively fill it with better stuff? So I go to social media, not that I'm a great pusher-outer of stuff yeah. on social media, but I'm a great follower of certain stuff. And I look at, um, predominantly, to be honest with you, Twitter and Instagram, more than Facebook. Right. And I look at, you know, I, I follow, you know, people like Mark Cuban or Tim Ferriss, and there's always interesting links and videos and stories from those people. So in a sense, I create my own news channels yeah. And rather than you know, ch- turning on to the six o'clock news tonight, I you know I get up and I kind of you know do my morning rituals and so forth. And if I'm over a coffee in the morning, I look at what are the stories coming through, and they're all inspiring. You know, yeah. Gary V, Grant Cardone, Tim Ferriss, Anthony Robbins, the people that I follow. Rather than being somewhat demotivating, they're all incredibly motivating. So I always say to people I'm coaching or, or speaking to, you know, imagine if every day you made one adjustment from or two or three adjustments, from getting up at 7 to getting up at 5.30 or 6, going for a 45-minute walk and listening to podcasts that inspire you, versus getting up at 6.30 and turning on the 6.30 news, yeah. listening to events that potentially terrify you. So I, I think there's really important the content you put in. Now, that doesn't mean you never read a newspaper or never, never listen to the news, whatever, but I think you've got to selectively balance the stuff that's going into your head because that affects, if you're about to go to a listing presentation and you've just listened to some great information from Gary Vee or Tony Robbins versus listen to you know the 6.30am or 7am news, you're going to have a very different energy going into that, whether you like it or not or actually um, consciously think about it. So I'm a great believer in putting your mind into blogs and so In fact, we just, before Troy, we, we came on air, we are just talking about one that I've been, two things I've been reading that I'd love our listeners to read, Tools of Titans. Tom, you've read that, yeah. and the Tim Ferriss. That is probably the best information in one space I've ever seen. So as you know, Tim interviews incredibly successful people, and he basically has compiled all the best interviews into one book. The other one is a guy called Derek Sivers, who I actually first heard on Tim Ferriss. And uh, you know, go to his site, I assume it's DerekSivers.com, but S-I-V-E-R-S, Google him. 
not only is he a brilliant presenter, but he also is a, a very big reader of personal growth material. And not only does he read it, he summarizes everything he's read on his site for free. And I, I just spent hours on the weekend poring over books that he had read and I got the information. And in five minutes, you can read what he read. So in a sense, you can almost read the best of the good books in five minutes. So that would be two things. Tools of Titans, Tim yeah. Ferriss, and Derek Sivers, his website, and look at his book notes. They would be both fantastic. And the other thing, of course, Tim Ferriss, I, I just love what he does. And I was listening to some of his podcasts on the weekend and there was a great one he did with a guy called forgot his name but his kind of tag is Mr. Money Mustache right basically he's a guy that teaches people how to be successful partly by living frugally within their means yeah. whilst they develop their success and he apparently retired you know at 35 or 40 because A he worked out he does, you don't need that much money to retire yeah he lives off about 25,000 a year rides his bike to work lives quite frugally um, but it's a great story. He's now got a blog which is quite successful, so now he's earning a lot of money. So the paradox is when you don't need the money, it's easier to get it, which I guess is the moral of why I'm telling this story to our listeners who are trying to get ahead in life and earn yeah. more money, and then all of a sudden I'm saying, well, yeah, here's a way to uh, maybe uh, live on less. If you don't need it, you'll attract it, be it a relationship, be it a uh, listing, be it finances or money in, in general. So. It was really good because he did talk about you know living well within your means and what a joy it is every day to wake up and not be thinking that you're kind of struggling to make ends meet. Yeah. And Tom, like you and Troy, I've seen people that were earning sixty thousand a year and struggling. Then they go to one hundred and fifty, they still struggle. Then they go to three hundred, they still struggle because their living expenses continue to balloon at at equal to or a greater rate than their income earning capacity. And sort of three years later, they're still struggling and yet they've tripled their income. So I think there's a really nice story around less is more, Troy, like live simply. Don't kind of complicate your life with lots and lots of commitments and expenses and stuff. Live within, within your means and just focus on adding value because it's a pleasure as opposed to because you have to pay this week's mortgage or car lease payment or whatever it is. So they're just a few things that I really hope our listeners might check out because they made a difference for me. Now, I'm just checking in also, the NRL, three weeks down. <laughs> uh, just checking in, respective teams. Uh, so how did you go on the weekend, mate? For the followers of the NRL, we'll just okay. check in how our teams well, look, are going. I, I, instead of keeping score every week, why don't we just <laughs> look at it in three-week compartments? Because um, we did miss their... I mean, John's obviously wants to bring up the subject because I think South Sydney won their first game in three. <laughs> well, not second, actually. But se- you, you did beat us in the first round. Okay. And, Troy, I think you're on the top of the ladder with the Roosters. Yeah, we're up there. We're doing all right. We're three from three. Three from three, along with the Broncos and a few yeah. other teams. Well, Melbourne, I think, might be Last three. night, it was 5.30 and I was out and I was rushing to get home because I know it was the it was the four o'clock um, game that it was being played and I rushed... The Canberra, right? Canberra, Canberra and, and I rushed there and I kept saying, I've got to get... I've got to, at least I watched the second half and I got there and I was watching a conversion go over and I heard the commentator say... Well, that makes it 40 to 6. And I looked at the Canberra guy converting it, and I Running thought to back. myself, well, they've either Canberra have just scored their first try, or this has been a bit of a disaster, and it was, and the Tigers got absolutely smashed. But it's okay. But funny, funny enough, they actually didn't play too badly. Canberra were just on fire. They were like a machine. Uh, and they just methodically... But if you had watched snippets of 5 or 10 minutes at a time, you would have thought it was a close con- contest. 
but they just kept going and going. And I think it was a good example, bringing this back to a business context, of not just having one good set of six or one good quarter or half. They just were relentless the whole time. And we talk a lot on this podcast about daily practice and about sticking to the system and having a playbook and having a plan and sticking to it every single day. Um, And I think that's basically, if I could summarise an agent's career and compare it to Canberra yesterday, they were just relentless the whole time and every minute they were focused on winning the moment. Yeah. So that was good. But yeah, look, it's early in the season. and Now, AFL, that started... So that starts this, this weekend. This weekend. Starts one this one weekend. thing though, did you get from the weekend's game, John, was the fact that every single person on the Canberra Raiders team knew their role. There was no one Good trying point. to do anything that wasn't in their role. And having played under Ricky um, many years ago, that was the biggest thing. Consistency of sets, so complete the sets of six, yeah. and knowing your role, knowing what you're meant to yeah, be doing in that moment. And I think a lot of it can relate back to business, like you said, and especially real estate. What is your role? What is the moment that mm. you have to win mm. to get to the next one? Well, we had, we, we had a glimpse um, of... Um, Coombsy's presentation at Million Dollar Agent mm. Boot Camp, which yeah. we were going to get the extended version at Arik, where it is all, once you're riding a million dollars and over, real estate changes from being just skill-based to roles management. And we saw how he outlined what exactly the people in his business unit are doing. Everyone has got absolute clarity in the start of each day what they've got to achieve, mm. and they work like this well-drilled machine, like Canberra. Yeah, yeah, and even as an individual, because a lot of our listeners on the podcast won't have a team yet, <clears throat> but what is your role, full stop? Mm. Even as an agent, and there might be sales managers listening or agents, what is your role, and what does winning the moment mean? So we just heard, Troy, from you what it means on a football game, but... You know, winning the role is, you know, you're now at a listing. So it's that conversation. You're following up a listing. You're in a buyer negotiation. You're at an open house. You're at an auction. Each of those is around, you know, what is what is world-class work look like in this moment? So, uh, you yeah, know, no, very, very good. The other thing, Tom, just before we start on today's Q&A or our topic was, um, I, as we were just talking off air, I, I gave a little presentation to Glenn Twiddle's team. Glenn's got yeah. um, Arnie this yeah. week in yeah. town, which is great coup for him, and you know, great that he that he got Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, who our sponsor REA yeah. did a great ad series yeah. for <laughs> REA a couple of years ago. It yeah. was yeah. fantastic. Anyway, at the beginning of the presentation, John Cunningham, our friend, who's the head of the REA in New South Wales, the president gave a little talk about professionalism and disintermediation. And it's a big buzzword at the moment in every industry, not just real estate, is, you know, are agents doomed and, you know, are computers and robots going to take over, as, as they probably will in some industries? My comment to a few people that asked me about it was, if you're an agent that adds massive value, that is, you know your stuff, you know your market, you've got credibility in the market, buyers listen to you, you're uh, a master of negotiation, a master of marketing, both digital and traditional, you know, press, and all these things. You, uh, your life and career, I think, is assured probably for the rest of your life or for a yeah. long, long time to come. If you're a commodity agent, so yeah. someone who's not world best that hasn't built an incredible brand in the market, I think there are companies like Purple Bricks that will start stealing business. Yeah, clearly. Because if you're turning up, letting people in, giving them a brochure and waiting them for to make an offer, and then you convey the offer to the vendor, which is being a messenger, I think that you know you probably have some reason to be fearful about the next few years. So my only comment to people that are listening is you need to be at the top of the tree. 
there will be very little space in the traditional real estate model for people that are amongst that sea of faces, which is probably 75% of the market. So you're either going to push yourself up to the top 25% and really be an agent that adds massive value and the community knows that paying you 2 or 3% is a great deal, or you're going to be someone says, well, why would I pay them? They're not adding any value. I'll just go to Purple Bricks, give them a few thousand, and I'll go that way. So um, I think you only need to be fearful of disintermediation in this industry if you're not a master or expert at your field and you're not adding massive value. Yeah. So, John, um, I think most real estate people that should be concerned are the ones that have been using a strategy of copy and cut, Hmm. where they copy someone and they just cut by a little bit. And what things like Purple Bricks do is they're cutting the most. Hmm. So you're the one that's got to be concerned. But if the term that you used, commodity, if you shift from being a commodity to a value-added provider, Hmm. if you move away from that commodity dungeon that people talk about and you start showing more, doing more, giving more, you should grow your market share. But I think it would be negligent for anyone not to accept that there is a group of people out there in Australia, in the whole world, that will say, I want to fly Tiger Airways. Mm, mm. And you've just got to accept it. They'll say, I don't care. I don't want any food. I'm happy for my legs to be squashed. I know it's not going to be a great experience, but I'm paying $39. You've just got to accept that there's a group of people out there and there's various models. But we're also saying is that, you know... There's also people who want to go first class and pay a bit extra because they get a more certain uh, experience. And I think that you've got to be one of the two. You're either going to shift down to the purple bricks end of the scale, which is be a commodity agent and have a very low cost, because that's the only thing you have got to differentiate you, or you're going to say, no, no, I'm I'm an expert in my field and I'm going to add value where you think that 2.5% is the best deal you've invested in in a decade, which it should be, because we know that there's a lot of difference between the best agent and the rest, certainly the best agent and the worst, and therefore, you know, paying someone 2 or 3%, should be a great deal going forward, um, as long as you're adding that value. So before we move on, we'll do one Q&A this week. Before we move on, when you talked about mastery and you know being professional, um, what are three or four things that come to your head that you've actually got to turbocharge and become best in your whole marketplace? What are the things? First thing, I, I just came from a coaching session with one of our young guys, and I was talking about product knowledge. And I said to him, where do you see your product knowledge, zero to 10? He said, oh, I think it's pretty good, like an eight or a nine. Then I asked him a quick question. I said, so what's an easement? Oh, I don't know, I haven't, what's a covenant? He all of a sudden he knew. And I said, have you read a contract from pillar to post and highlighted the words you don't know and the concepts? And he said, no, I haven't. And I said, so how are you an eight? You could be a three. Now he's a very bright young guy and, and I think he's going to be a superstar, but kind of, if you want to be a master, you need brilliant product knowledge. I then went on to take, you know, moving away from legal into things like design. I said, so who are the hottest three designers in Australia at the moment? Um, what, what are the, the two or three uh, materials if you were going to build a luxury home you'd, use for, you'd consider using for a benchtop in a kitchen? And again, kind of like the expertise wasn't there. So I think a lot of agents, they wing it yeah. and they don't sit down and they do the really hard work. So I'd say definitely around that and then the other two or three core skills Tommy that you've got to be a nine out of ten negotiation is one yeah if you're not an expert negotiator and we will do other podcasts we've talked about it before but if you're not an expert negotiator that's that's probably 60% of what someone's paying you for is in the heat of the battle when you're there at the last minute 
and there's a buyer that steps up to the plate and you've got to negotiate, a great negotiator can extract five, ten, twenty-five thousand, fifty thousand more than a, an average negotiator. So I think as a skill in terms of mastery, what is your level around negotiation? I think if you're an expert negotiator and you've got prolific depth of product knowledge, for me that's starting to feel like you know, you're a black belt. Yeah. But most agents, they don't have that, Troy, and it's somewhere between embarrassing and sad, really. Interesting, Joe. We spoke to a group recently um, about communicating and articulating the value proposition. How are you adding... Elevator pitch, we call it. The elevator pitch, right? Or Uber's coming in two minutes, Tom. Why you? Yeah. Right? And it's a question that... If you're not going to have the market share and you're not going to be the dominant agent that's been in the in the area for 30, 40 years and, and had the, the record and the runs on the board, what else can you do to show value to your customer? Well, the exercise, Tom, that Troy's talking about is we had an audience and we said, so, yeah, 30 seconds, why would I choose you? And, and we probably got feedback from 15 or 20 people. None of it was compelling. And, yeah, they're, they're good people, by the way. Um, and... But my question was, if you can't sell yourself, yeah. So if you can't encapsulate why I would choose you, yeah. And sure, there's you know, a listing presentation doesn't go for thirty seconds; it goes for thirty minutes or three hours or, or you know, or twelve months, really, some of them. But as a as a wordsmith of an agent who's professional at what you do, why can't you articulate why you are better choice than anyone else? Without ego, it's not about oh, well, I'm the best. No. Because people were saying, well, you know, I've got the most track record, I've been in the industry the longest, and kind of stuff. And so we just challenged them to think about, you know, because I, I use the example Troy down there, which is one that stuck in my mind. Ten years ago, I heard a lady at a networking event talk about her business, and everyone was standing up and saying who they are and what they do, and she stood up, and, and that, a little bit about the business, you got 30, literally 30 seconds in this instance, and she said, you know, I have a recruitment firm, it's a values-based so I only will put people forward, A, that have values that align with yours, um, B, is they have great attitude, I hire people for attitude over skills and I assume that you can bring the skills to them, and C, is I'll never put someone in front of you to decide that I wouldn't hire for my own company. And that was her three points in 30 seconds and I thought, wow, man, if I was looking for a recruiter right now in that yeah. industry that you're specialising in, I'd hire you because that sounded great. Yeah. And so with the equivalent in real estate, you know, don't tell me about you've won more awards at your annual event and you're kind of the hottest thing since uh, sliced bread. You know, tell me what are some real reasons. And I said to them, what it might sound like is, and my example to them was, um, I work from a very high set of values, Tom, so when I speak to you and give you any information, you don't have to second guess if it's real. One of the things that sets me apart from everyone else in our industry is, I'll tell you exactly as you get it, and you don't have to second guess. Because one of the things, Tom, people are concerned about is, is trusting agents. Yeah. So you, know, you have to be uh, an agent that, that is, is incredibly uh, credible and with great integrity. The second thing was people want the best price. I said, and the second thing, Tom, is I have developed a unique system that is able to deliver each and every one of my clients the best outcome in the market. Yeah. And I'd like to talk you through that in a bit more detail. So I'm trustworthy. And I have a system for maximising your price. Is, is in 30 seconds, two great messages, Troy, to get across. And so the people started seeing it rather than kind of giving me all this stuff that was really just noise. It's like, okay, wow, that sounds like an agent I'd like to hire. Just like when I heard the recruitment lady, that sounds like a recruitment firm I'd like to use. 
So, yeah, for all our listeners on the podcast, think about if you were asked, you've only got 30 seconds to convince someone, what would it be and what's your version? And, you know, you can steal any ideas you want from, from all of us, but what would your version be? So hopefully that'll help a few I think people. I was just listening to it and I thought to myself, if I was a consumer, you've given me two reasons that matter to me. I don't want to hear the fact that you got number three in the quarter in your franchise group. I don't want to hear about anything too much to do with you because all I care about is myself. Mm. And that's not selfish. That's just the fact of life that vendors care about themselves. Mm. They don't care about the agent. And what you're saying is make sure that you're solving someone's problem when you talk to them. And it is problem solving because by John saying system, I know that it's not a hope and a dream and luck that we're going to get a great result. There's a system that we follow right away from signing the agency agreement to going to a set-to-sell meeting or an expectations meeting as we call it now through to the open for inspections, my team will handle them for you, I'll be there and then we'll climb. We'll have the, the, the point of auction where we'll see that result come through. And you've got to back it up, Troy. With That's like, right, exactly right. You've got to be able to unveil your system. There's no point saying I had a system maximise price and they say, tell me about it, and it's not a really credible system. But you know, if you're coming from a perspective, which is my belief system, that says you're hiring me not to sell your property but to maximise price, therefore every recommendation I make is about maximising price. And it's all done with integrity, and I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear. I'm here to tell you how I think we can maximise your property's value together. Because, you know, one of our our things, I think you mentioned it at some point, Tom, we had a marketing campaign a while ago, which is your property's worth more with McGrath. Yeah. And and we believe that, and we think it was a nice conditioning uh, or positioning, and we think that because people um, often think their property's worth what it's worth. Yeah. Whereas we, we want to say and we believe that your property, if presented well, marketed really strongly and confidently, can be worth more. Yeah. So anyway, look, ho- hopefully that's... I, 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 one of the best presentations I've ever seen of an agent was a, a real estate gym member sat down actually in this room and he said, Tom, I just want to show you um, how I present to a vendor. And he actually, the system was the presentation. He, nice. actually, he actually said, I want to let you know the minute you appoint me, I want to show you what actually happens next. And then he had awesome. 40 things that he went through. So Brilliant. the minute I walk out of here, this text message goes to my other I, colleagues. Is that on your website? That, it's, that, that interview is not on my website. Gee, that'd be a good um, one to get done um, again. Actually, it, John, it could be. It could be as a webinar. I'm going to uh, trace it up and I'm going to let our viewers know next week. So he's gone in and he's articulated every step of the way. He says, here is the form I'm sending in to our newspaper that's going to get you free publicity. This is the text message that will go to the um, 1,300 VIP buyers that are already Brilliant. on our platform. And so he stepped through, stepped through. tangible. Yeah. So it wasn't, it was no smoke and mirrors. These are the things. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and imagine, I remember seeing one in from the States, Troy, and we've done our own version, but it was like, Here's the 97 things I'll do once appointed to look after you. So very similar. Well, I've seen the, John, I've seen the McGrath um, first 10 weeks. I mean, you've got a system for yeah. a lot of things. And I've, you know, I had, I had, I had, it was interesting. I had a McGrath agent say to me, Tom, you know, I've just started. What should I be doing? I said, mate, go look at your 10 week system. I said, just start with first that. First 90 days. Yeah. First, yeah, yeah. 90 days. Yeah, it's very good. So let's, so let's, go, let's go to this question. This question is a, a summarized question from a listener uh, uh, Daniel from Queensland, 
who has basically said, how do you keep your mental and emotional energy up after losing business? We get these questions coming in often in a roundabout way, and that is, how do you go from the heights of exhilaration to the depths of depression in 24 hours and press the repeat button, come back to work tomorrow? Because there is not many jobs in the world that you can potentially, in one phone call, walk away from that phone call and you may have lost commercially $50,000, $40,000 because the vendor has turned around and said, we liked you, but you weren't our first choice. And if you've had three of those in a row, missed out three listings, John, how do you rock up with a high level of energy? I think a couple of things, Tom. I remember the, the great talk that Ivan gave last year at ARIC. Was that last year? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Ivan Bresick. And he talked about one of the things on his journey, he'd learned to manage the highs and the lows. And he said, you know, if you listed a $10 million property, that was great, a fantastic day's work, let's go to dinner now. Or if you missed the $10 million, that was disappointing, but we'll get on with tomorrow. So he, he took away that kind of you know, agony and ecstasy, the both ends of that bell curve, and he kind of managed that. And I think that's a good start because if, if you pin too much hope and you put too much onto anything, good or bad, because you know, inevitably stuff's going to happen, right? You can't yeah. get every... I don't care how good you are. Matt Steinway, you know, James Tostevin, we all lose yeah. listings. So I think the first thing is, is just recognise that. The other thing is I read, uh, which I told the story to the group this morning around, you know, Babe Ruth, who's a great baseball yeah. player, right? And, you know, and, and most people thought was the world's best and was certainly one of them. Statistically, there was one player called Ted Williams who had a better strike rate. So Ted Williams' strike rate was 48% from when he stood up to hit the ball to get to first base. Not home run, first base. Now, when you think about it, you think the best baseball player in the history of the world you would have thought would have got to home, sorry, first base more than every second hit, but he didn't. And it just kind of metaphorically said to me, Troy, and there's Jordan's got stories and other people got stories. Every great sports person and business person has had as many or more failures than they've had successes. So sometimes if you just recognise that it's not about getting every piece of business. It's about building your business and attracting more business and winning more business, but recognising you're going to lose some. So I think um, number one is manage your highs and lows. Number two is recognise that you know, Ted Williams, the best baseball player ever, used to strike out half the time. So it's okay, it happens. Um, third thing I think you have to have, we talked a minute ago about a system. You can't leave feeling good and being positive to chance. You can't just hope you wake up in a good frame of mind. You need a system. So the system, as we spoke about before, is eliminating as much of the negative stuff out of your life. We've just added to the fact that not getting too caught up on, on winning or losing a piece of business, you can only control what you control, which is yeah. doing a brilliant pitch, following through fast, building credibility in the marketplace, um, listening to them well, giving them, asking for the business, all the things that we teach on the podcast and in the boot camp and, your, and in your real estate gyms. Once you've done all of that, at some point, then it's over to the customer to decide which, which way they want to go. Um, so I think yeah, that's important, having that system, very, very important. So that's about surrounding yourself with the right environment and the right tools, the right people, eliminating as much negative stuff as you can get. I think Artucha also said that a third of people will hate you when they meet you anyway, right? So the general population, a third of the people that you meet won't like you. you said it in a well, some people two-thirds. Well, some people two-thirds. So if you go with that, <laughs> a, third, a, third, a third of the people won't like you. So maybe that's something 
to also have in the back of your mind and see it as the learning opportunity. What can I do better next time or what did I go wrong with? Well, I think that's the next thing, Troy, is beautifully said because you can't always get the outcome you want, but you can always learn. So if you see it, there's there's going to be learning in everything. Off the back of the learning, you're either going to win the business or lose it. But if you learn, you're still a long way ahead. So what does that look like? It means debrief with yourself or your sales manager or your principal. What could have gone wrong? Ask the customer. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to pitch for your property. Um, I think you've chosen a really good agent. Wish it could have been me, but I understand you had a choice to make. And could I ask for some specific feedback? Because next time we meet, I'd like to be the agent of choice. And then they will, most vendors, when given that sort of honest, authentic and genuine intent to try and extract some information, they'll give it to you. They'll say, Tom, look, to be quite honest, I think you kind of felt a bit rushed. You felt like you're running off to another meeting. And then I looked in the paper and you had a lot of listings and I put two and two together. And rightly or wrongly, I made a decision that you're too busy. And therefore, so what can you do? You can't remove your listings from the paper, but you can take more time and you can be upfront with people and say, look, Tom, you know, one of the questions people often ask themselves when they look at the amount of business that I'm fortunate to handle is, is am I too busy? I'm very clear the answer is no, and I want to talk you through how my team structure works, how I take on business, and I want to give you comfort that whilst I do have a number of piece of business in the marketplace, I'm far from too busy to look after you. So you can handle it head on if you have the feedback, but a lot of people bury their head in the sand and Troy, they get to the end of it and they miss it and they get angry at the vendor and they say, oh, well, they chose the wrong agent and they have no idea and then that is a loss. If you miss the business and miss the learning, that's a serious loss. So you're saying, John, you either win or learn. Yeah, correct. And um, um, I heard a great term a few years ago and I'm not saying I live by it, but I try and live by it and it was, there's no such thing as a bad day. There's only days of data. Yep. And um, it's just every time things don't go your way, all it is is information to help you make better choices and better decisions in the future. Yeah. But we might finish off and tell Daniel, in summary, one of the things and going on what Troy's saying is just accept that a third of the people aren't going to like you. Um, stuff happens, whether you're Matt Steinway or James Tostevern, and just accept it. Banks call it writing off a bad debt. Things just mm. happen, yeah, and you've point. got to account for it. Um, um, the second thing is there is keep looking at what's the gift in this situation? What did I learn in this situation? What am I going to get out of this situation? And um, I think that if you're surrounding yourself with the right people and you're choosing to uh, maybe put in content, which you talked about at the start of the podcast, John, which is you can't have a positive mind when you're feeding it negative stuff. Mm -hmm. If you bundle all that together, you might have a setback, but your comeback will be bigger than your setback. Yeah, and as I think, uh, Tom, when when three of us presented at uh, Million Dollar Boot Camp, there was a concept of if you have a lot of things happening, when one misses, it's not the end of the world. If you've only got one listing in your pipeline and yeah. you focus on it and you miss it, there's like 100% of your opportunities are gone. Yeah. So by filling your pipeline and creating and attracting more opportunities, when you occasionally miss one or two or three, and you will, doesn't matter how good you are, um, then that's going to be, in terms of relativity to your pipeline and your business opportunities going forward, it's not such a big deal. So again, might sound silly, but by build, creating more opportunities for yourself, when you do lose them, it's less of an impact on you. Um, same with buyers and properties. If you've only got one buyer on a property and 
then all of a sudden, you know, the buyer rings you and says, I've gone cold feet, then that's kind of potentially, in your mind anyway, a disaster. If you've got eight buyers and the buyer rings you saying, no problem, let me find you another one. Yeah. So I, I think creating more opportunities through being proactive in the marketplace with your prospecting and your marketing, which we'll talk about in another podcast. So anyway, look, hopefully, there's a lot we've covered there. We've covered a whole that range a of gr- things. Yeah, that, that, this felt like a long podcast, but an enjoyable podcast. How long has it been going? Half for? an hour. 30 minute pot guys this one's on the house it's free <laughs> hey John I just I just looked up um, Tim Ferriss's podcast episode number 221 Mr. Mustache yeah Pete Adeny is that yeah yeah I, I, yeah they did say his name yeah so Mr. Money Mustache if you guys want to go and check that out episode number 221 on Tim Ferriss's podcast okay and Must Derek Sivers have you got his website address uh, is that... DerekSivers.org I think it is it's just come up for me DerekSivers.org and okay, you can search so out the book summaries that's the perfect. page well, that's what I'll be doing. Their, um, their goal, those book summaries, seriously. Like, because a lot of people, and I understand it, they either don't enjoy reading or they don't find the time to do it, which I think is a bit of a cop-out because if it's important, you'll like exercise, you'll find the time. But there, like literally, we were just talking before, you could read five books tonight off the back of Siva's summary. It's not reading the book, but it's you're actually squeezing the juice of the best stuff, courtesy of, of Derek. And the other thing I th- made me think about him, Tom, was what a generous gift he's not selling it he's not making money from it he just loves learning and he likes sharing his learning with other people and and that says a lot about the individual this is the same guy that gave away the 22 million dollars he made from the sale of his company he gave it away from musical charity and he he does get an annual salary that kind of looks after his living expenses from from that until the day he dies but he actually gave the money away to this charity and the only thing was they have to give invest it and give him enough to, so to this, live by. John, it's CD Baby was his company, wasn't CD it? Baby. CD yeah. Baby. CD Derek Baby. Sivers. Guys, good to see you. I will see you both next week. And um, thank you to realestate.com.au who uh, have actually just launched a new initiative. We might talk about it um, next week. Yeah, look forward to that. See you guys. Thanks.